Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 20, Lying. Mary, what happened this week? Jonathan is sticking around until he runs out of article ideas, and he has a lot of ideas. His first one is about biplanes, but to be honest, he's also working on an idea called How to Steal Back Your Ex-Girlfriend from Someone Better Than You. Jury's out on how that's going. But anyway, planes. Brandon invites the bros to ride in planes, not realizing that Jonathan will be one of their pilots today. Brandon goes along with the ride with Jonathan, while Joe goes with Captain George. Unfortunately, the aerobatics are too much for Joe, who passes out as soon as he's back on the ground. Though he's quickly revived and feels fine, they decide to call it a day. Steve doesn't get to ride in the planes, and I don't feel bad for him. Later, Brandon is supposed to have a date with Susan, but he needs to postpone for Kelly-related reasons. Upon hearing this from Jonathan after Brandon was super vague about it, Susan decides to invite Jonathan to dinner so she can keep her reservation. Also, Joe talks to Donna, and Donna convinces him to let Dr. Dad take a look at his heart again. Not, like, look at it, but <laughs> doctor examination shit. The girls have a beach house version of a garage-slash-yard sale, and Kelly's cocaine problem continues to be, air quotes, a little out of control. When Donna and Claire find her cocaine stash in her room and ask her not to keep it at the house, Kelly impulsively decides to move out and stay at Collins. Colin is also kind enough to let Kelly have unrestricted access to his cocaine box. Donna tries one last time to get Kelly to choose their friendship over cocaine. Claire tells Brandon maybe it's time for him to try and get through to Kelly. Brandon gets Kelly to leave Collins and they drive around for a while, but then Kelly steals his car so she can go back to the beach house for more of her stuff. Meanwhile, Val's quote annoying friend Ginger, thank you Hulu episode description for this, <laughs> is back in LA and wants to fuck, sorry. <laughs> wants to fuck, that is true. <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> But she's back in L.A. and wants some more money for not revealing that little scam she and Val pulled. And if not that, she wants to bang David. Exactly. <laughs> I lost my mind at the idea that David is worth 50 grand. Dude, yeah. Which, like, I hope he finds out eventually. Because what a confidence booster. <laughs> Right? I kind of want him to be like, oh my god, thank you. Also, no. Yeah. Also, Valerie, why are you lying to me? Like, because we know that's what, like, he's he's going to overlook the fact that, oh, he was valued at 50 Gs, and then just put it back on Valerie, like, for lying. But in, like, six months to a year, it's going to get brought back up, and he's going to be like, remember that time I was worth $50,000 for one night? Exactly. <laughs> the episode starts with... Claire checking things off a to-do list, which I relate to so much, mm -hmm. because the girls are having a garage sale. Yes, and by the girls, we mean, at the very minimum, Claire and Donna. Kelly's there, too, though, and she is looking terrible, with a capital T. Yeah, to the point that Donna's like, do you have the flu? Yeah, like, yeah not just the cold, the cold. A cold. <laughs> the flu. And, I mean, sweet Donna. I love her 
like knowing the problem and still trying to be like, no, Kelly is just like going through withdrawal or like she's mm-hmm. staying clean like she said she would. But Kelly is acting very squirrely, right? Yeah. I mean, she's like fidgeting and she keeps like rubbing her nose and like running her hands through her hair, cannot stop moving, but then like looks just so sunken in her mm. eyes with dark, huge, huge dark circles. Yeah. And I got to say, like Jenny Garth with the moving her hands this whole episode was doing so well. Like it's later in the episode when they go to the beach apartment and she just like can't like stop touching her stomach and then moving her hands up behind her while she's standing up. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was so like it was really good body acting, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think it could like really easily be overdone, you know, like easily be like too much or overacting or like too frantic. But I think she had just the right amount of movement and exaggeration, I guess, for us to notice it, but not like notice it in the good way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because I I would absolutely be overdoing it myself if I was put in this position. But honestly, like, I noticed the ticks before that. But then when they were at the beach apartment, she was very clearly high in that moment. Like, that's when I really started to appreciate the effort she was putting into it. For sure. And so with all of that, she gets so fidgety. She, like, takes off and she's like, she has to just like get away from here. And so Val walks up too. Um, and so we see Kelly go over to Colin, who is coming out of a class, trying to talk to a student. And she is just like an impatient, upset mess. She like interrupts him and he tries to like brush her off, but then he doesn't. He finally is like, okay, look, student, I'll talk to you later. Sorry. And she's like on the verge of tears. She is tired. She is not sleeping. She's not having fun. She apparently says she can't snap out of it, which that is the signs of, you know, withdrawal. So makes sense. And so she even admits here that she doesn't want to do coke anymore. It's not good for her. It's not good for Colin. She thinks they should both stop. But then immediately ask Colin if he has some on him in that moment. And Colin makes me so mad in this moment I mean Colin sucks in general like we've never been huge fans of Colin but the idea that he tells her like oh willpower is overrated it's like literally last week you were like it's Mm -hmm. called willpower just don't do it yeah and then he's got coke in his pocket and Kelly pulls it out of his pocket in the middle of the school because they're just like well it's the weekend (laughs) it's the week no it's currently friday during class time (laughs) right it's a felony and you're on campus yep exactly and so of course like this is another episode of presumably kelly and colin fighting their or not fighting their cocaine urges and people trying to get through to them yeah very much kelly fighting her urges colin insisting he doesn't have a problem and colin's not part of the main cast so he can just go away because truly Val is very busy. Yes, she is. Yeah. So when the credits ran and it was doing the B-roll and it had like the guest stars, when Elise Donahue popped up on the guest stars, I had a moment. I was like, Ginger? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so I saw like the tiniest of spoilers when I was looking at the synopsis last time we talked, and so I knew she was coming back. But yeah, like I couldn't remember why she was coming back or how she was coming back. But mm, yeah, she makes she makes an impact. <laughs> I mean, she was one of those characters. I'm pretty sure in her episodes we were like she's gonna come back like they're leaving room for her to come back but truly I was not expecting like the middle of this season oh yeah for sure for sure and especially like which we'll get to for these reasons because I I feel like it's just a little silly and mustache twirly (laughs) but yeah we'll get there yeah because that was literally just the credits but once that the credits and the b-roll and all that is over brandon is walking through the student center on his way to susan and jonathan is in her office and once again i have been proven completely wrong because last episode i was like jonathan's gone forever yeah i mean my immediate reaction was why why is he still here and anyway like brandon comes in with the food susan's like oh thank you i'm starving and brandon's like um saying what my thoughts are. Why is he still here? And she says apparently he's on assignment, and Susan said he could use the office because, after all, he's an alum. And there's apparently no such things as public libraries. That was what got me, is he even says later, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in a private rental condo at the beach. It's like, then work there. I mean, yeah, everyone has to see what you're doing. I mean, Brandon definitely does. Jonathan pretty literally spells it out for him. He's just like, I'm not going anywhere. Yep. And Susan can't let this go. Yeah. Like, and obviously we learned last time what their connection is. We learned why she can't say no to him. But at the same time, it's, I'm learning more and more that Susan has kind of two main behaviors. She does have her strong, independent, I'm going to do what I want you can't tell me what to do mode. But then on the flip side, when it's somebody that she's connected to, she just can't say no. It's like she's she suddenly turns into, I guess, a people pleaser. You know, it's like she just doesn't want to lose friends, I guess. I, You know, it's very complicated on how she can go from this really no-nonsense kind of gal to one that doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. Yeah, people pleaser is exactly how I would put it. Like, you know, with everything we learned last episode, I don't think she regrets the decision that she made, but I think she mm-hmm. regrets that it hurt Jonathan, even though it upset, like, it makes her mad how he reacted to it. Like, she's still trying to make up for how he felt about a decision that had nothing to do with him. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. The whole, the idea that he has a right to use her office as an alum drives me nuts. So many of my notes are literally just, like, writing what happened in the scene and then why in all caps. (laughs) There's a lot of that specific pregunta throughout my notes as well. (laughs) But yeah, so at this point, like, Brandon's still sus. Susan leaves, I guess. She has to go somewhere. And so Jonathan comes over to Brandon and decides, oh, I'm going to invite you on this story. Like, I'm going to try to smooth things over and, like, get in with you while since I'm going to be here, I guess. And so he invites Brandon on the story that he was working on biplanes. He tells Brandon to bring some of his buddies. He's got VIP passes. And then 
he does the mustache twirly thing where he's like, oh, I'll be in town definitely because I'm here until I run out of ideas and I have a lot of ideas. Literally, he gets like in Brandon's face and he's like, I have a lot of ideas. Good one. (laughs) No, I mean, as much as I hate Jonathan and I just like do not care for this man at all. I want him out of their lives. I think he is just like not actually an adversary for Brandon and Susan. It keeps reminding me of what's her face in New Girl when Jess is dating Dr. Sam and then his friend shows back up mm, okay. and was like, oh, I've been in love with him for forever. Yep. Like, I just feel like this is going to end with Susan leaving Brandon for Jonathan, even though they should not be together at all. Right. I mean, we obviously know that at a certain point, Jonathan leaves the show. And at a certain point, Susan leaves the show. And at a certain point, Brandon leaves the show. But in what order and in what coupling, if any? Yeah, I refuse to guess anymore after I was so wrong about Dylan. <laughs> yeah. So many mistakes well, were made. Hey, you know, half the fun is just the guests in general because we end up coming up with a lot of ideas just like Jonathan has. So we'll keep going with this podcast until we run out of ideas. And we've got a <laughs> lot of ideas. <laughs> Anywho, oh. so Brandon walks into Susan's office with a post-it on his head with that has Jonathan's number. And sometimes I love him. Like, when he I does stuff like this, he just puts the post-it on his head. I love it. I love it. Yeah, like, he could have done anything else, but he sticks it to his face and then takes it off, crumples it up, and just throws it across her office. And she was like, yep, I like that idea. You should have done that. <laughs> yeah. And so she decides to hand him a box of stuff for the garage sale that the gals are throwing. And Brandon, again, just speaking thoughts that I have, out with the old. See how easy that is? Like, clearly he's, like, I know Brandon was amazing last episode in in full support mode. Like, not even just supportive boyfriend mode, but just good human being mode. But, like, Mm -hmm. he's still a human being and has his own feelings and, like, hates Jonathan. So regardless of what happened last week... He's so sick and tired of him, as are we. <laughs> and honestly, I like this reaction more than when he was like gaslighting Susan and like not giving her her messages, but then pretending he gave her her messages. Like mm-hmm. this, I like much more where he's just very outwardly like, we all know everything. I'm the better guy. Let's just get rid of Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Right. And Susan giving him this box is like the perfect segue into the next scene because Claire and Donna are getting said garage apartment sale ready and Claire is looking for safety pins. And for some reason they decide it's totally fine for her to just go into Kelly's room and start rummaging through her drawers looking for safety pins. Well, she doesn't have any. Donna doesn't have any. Kelly must have some. (laughs) I also just have to point out that the poster that they are hanging on the door said Beach Blanket Bazaar. Like I loved it. Beach Blanket Brandon. <laughs> I loved it so much. Oh, they can't think of any other alliterations. All they have is Beach Blanket. <laughs> but you know what? I love a good 90210 sign. Oh, I do too. Especially signs that call back and are like sort of meta within the 90210 universe. Mm-hmm. No, I think they're 
their little sale is adorable and I'm not mad about it. Not at all. But yeah, so like Claire immediately goes to Kelly's desk drawer, which we already know Kelly is terrible about hiding her drugs because she doesn't actually know the definition of the word hide. But it becomes even more apparent because like Claire easily just pulls up a fabric. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe cleaning glasses. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Pulls it up. And I actually kind of love Claire's reaction because we have Donna's genuine best friendship I'm concerned for Kelly as a human being because this drug thing is horrible reaction. She has that. What we don't normally see is the, hey, yeah, that sucks that Kelly's going down a bad path. What about us? This Coke vial is here and there's some left in it and it doesn't matter how much there is because the fact that there is some means that we're going to get busted just by being in its vicinity. And I actually really appreciate that because it's a valid concern. It's definitely a valid concern. And frankly, this apartment has been raided before by the cops looking for drugs. Yep. So, like, I have no idea how that kind of history stays in police computers and records and whatnot. But, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Claire has an absolute right to be upset about this. I will (laughs) say the first thing that they should have done when Claire found it, was flush it down the toilet. Like, get rid of it. Yeah, and instead, Claire does the thing that Kelly does and just, like, sticks it in her pocket. (laughs) Yeah, pockets. They're super, super safe. It's not pocket sand, it's pocket cocaine. That's right. But yeah, I even love how Claire does the whole, like, you know, she's foreshadowing, you know, if they do get caught to being like, Chancellor's druggy daughter and Rose Princess busted. Like, not even considering Kelly. Because at this point, Kelly is just like, I don't know, normal human being, right? But like, yeah, Claire's dad is the Chancellor of the University and Ro- and Donna was just elected, one voted? <laughs> Rose Princess, there we go. I got there. <laughs> to be fair, it could also have been 17 cover model. Ooh, good point. Good point. But I, I do think, you know, the point of it is to say that Kelly doesn't care. Kelly's not there. They're the ones that are there dealing with this. Yes, exactly. To which, you know, Claire tells Donna, she's like, look, you have to talk to Kelly about this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, like it sucks and she's not going to want to hear it. And I think it's David has a point later where he's like, if she doesn't want to get sober, she's not gonna. But like. I just feel like no one is talking to her. Well, and I, yeah, because, you know, with David, he was doing drugs with other people, but the gang didn't know the people that he was getting the drugs from or whatever. All they knew was he was doing the drugs. It started at the radio station and then escalated from there. So Mm -hmm. I think because he was like somewhat isolated, they could like more, I don't know, like, they could better pinpoint and just isolate him in the situation. They're almost trusting Kelly and Colin to lean on each other to get better when they are, in fact, the problem, you know? So it's like, for some reason, because Kelly's with someone else, they're not talking to her. Yeah, which just is going to make her think that she's going to have no one if she tries to get clean. Exactly. And like... Remember when they had the intervention for Dylan and Dylan was like, you only like me when I need you. 
And like this, mm-hmm. like they only like Kelly when she's that like perfect person on the pedestal. Like when she needs things, they're not there except for Dylan who got her out of a cult and then left and now nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. So elsewhere, we get to our lovely, lovely guest star for this episode. So Val is going through her clothes and apparently with David, he's basically telling her to sell everything except for the most revealing piece of clothing that she has. Classic David. Mm -hmm. They start making out, but phone call and it's Ginger. Apparently Val has not been returning her calls, but Ginger has been calling to say that she is now going to be in L.A. Yeah, and she's like, are you going to send a limo or are you going to come pick me up yourself? Which I do love the way that Val talks to her on the phone. Like, if you only have the side of Val talking, which is what David is hearing, where she's like, no, I've, you know, I've been not answering your calls for a reason. I told you not to come. What about our arrangement? And then she hangs up the phone and she's like, it's nobody. Wrong number. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, um... So you have full conversations with wrong numbers. <laughs> and I love that when she says it's nothing, he's like, the last time you said it was nothing, I had to bail you out of jail. Fair point. Like, I mean, the only thing that was weird about this conversation, I mean, all of it's weird. Like, who says that? But David was giggling this entire time. Like, <laughs> I bailed you out of jail. <laughs> what? What was that acting? I mean, maybe it was in the script. I don't know. I'm sorry. That was mean. But I would have been a little bit more sus, you know? Oh, yeah, and I feel like he should be like, hey, remember how I bailed you out of jail? Like, you should trust me. Let's have this conversation. Like, we're in a relationship. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he does say later, like, everything is hard with you. or So you know, something. But – Yeah, she just, like, pushes off with it, and then we move away from them where they're presumably going to go right back to making out. Yeah. Because downstairs, Brandon has told Steve about Jonathan and the biplane, and Steve is like, bro, we should totally go. It's like Steve has to convince people that he is interested in everything. It's like whenever he gets asked to do something that he doesn't get to do very often, he's like, oh, I love that. (laughs) You know, like – who knew that Steve loves biplanes? He Not just us wants for the last six seasons. <laughs> the thing is, like, he just wants the fun experience. And if he gets to go do it with his friends, like, screw the fact that Susan's ex boyfriend, who sucks, is the one that's going to be there. And, like, Brandon is going to be so uncomfortable the whole time. But I get to go on a biplane. Exactly. It's the free activity that he gets to enjoy by being associated with somebody who's in pain. Like, it's Steve failing upward as well as not having really a moral compass. Yeah. Classic Steve. <laughs> right? I was like, Steve, just notice how uncomfortable your friend is right now. And maybe yeah. like, no. But he's just like, nah, dude. We'll just use him for the biplane. Right. Because I feel like if the shoe was on the other foot, Brandon would be like, no, this guy sucks. Like, we can't do this. Yeah. Like, Again, last episode, Steve and Claire were like, we're totally on your side for this whole dinner. We're going to be so mean to him. And now Steve's just like, let's go spend a day with him. Oh, my gosh. It's why I just – every time they need something in a story, they're like, just make Steve say it. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it works because now it has become his character. So. <laughs> it really has. Like, he does nothing. <laughs> 
He gets a story for an episode. And then they're like comedy traffic school. Yeah. Oh, Steve. Poor Ian. <laughs> poor Ian. Oh, and poor everybody else. Like the next scene, it's that same night where Kelly comes home and I guess she's like hours late. She was supposed to be home to talk to Donna and Claire a while ago and like help with getting set up for the garage sale. But she's super late and she brought Colin. And Donna's like, hey, can we talk privately? To which Kelly looks to Colin and Colin's like, no, let's just leave. Yeah, he's literally like, this is this is weird. Like, why are they acting weird? Bruh, you know why. Like, this is why you're trying to usher her out. Yeah, it's weird because you're there. Yeah. And because it's- you're getting your girlfriend, their best friend, high all the time. Literally right now. You are yes. literally high right now. Yes. So Donna decides to say, you either talk to me now or don't talk to me ever again. And this is the second episode in a row that Donna has stood up for herself and tried to, like, tough love Kelly. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it kind of works. Like, Kelly tells Colin to meet her outside. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it's like, oh, what, am I grounded? And then it really is like a parent and kid moment because Claire goes, I found this in your room. And Kelly's like, why are you going in my room? Mm-hmm. Yep. They try to tell her like she's not fine because she keeps insisting she is. Mm-hmm. And I love Claire. I mean, Claire is always this like ball full of snark and I love it. But she's like, oh, yeah, everything's hunky-dory if you overlook the fact that you're addicted to a lethal narcotic. And Kelly just like is scoffing half the time right like she's like Mm -hmm. what whatever and like then she's like fine I'll just move out like that's a solution right yeah well because she tries to bargain with them right like this Mm -hmm. is when she's like I'm in the best shape of my life I'm getting the best grades I've ever had da 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 and yeah Claire is like because you're taking something that can kill you exactly and so once she finally, like, decides to move out, Claire's like, whatever, I'm, that's fine. Like, at least you're getting narcotics out of my house. And she's, she's like, do us a favor, take the evidence with you, and just, like, tosses her the vial, which, Claire, come on, you should have flushed it, then toss her the empty vial. That would have been better. But, hey, you know, potato, potato, I guess. <laughs> right? It's very, like, take this evidence and then do it. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. No, that's wrong. No. Give it back to me. <laughs> come back in five minutes. Hold on, let's read. Can we rerun that? <laughs> it's so tense because Kelly like clearly doesn't want to get better. She, I don't even know why. Quite frankly, she even came to the beach apartment. Like the fact that she was hours late. I mean, she doesn't really even think she's that late. She's like, so what? I'm a little late. And Claire's like, you're hours late. Like this isn't just a little late. But why she even came by and brought Colin was an interesting choice. Now, granted, it could be argued that Colin like required himself to come right Mm -hmm. but it was just a weird choice that she even decided to still come and like show some sort of weak commitment to her friends when she couldn't have been that naive to think that they wouldn't know that she was high right I mean I guess this goes back to I know we've had this conversation before too where like yeah when you're 18 or like you know younger and you've smoked a cigarette and you're like my parents are never gonna know that I smoked a cigarette And then you get older and you're like, oh, my God, everyone smells all the time. Right. Like, 
I don't know. Somehow she thinks that all of this like moving her hands and acting erratic and like the way that she looks, people are going to have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she's totally messed up about it. Like we don't end up seeing her until the next morning because first we have to go to the peach pit where Donna has decided that Joe going up in a biplane is unsafe. Especially because we finally talk about his heart condition again, right? They've come back from this vacation. I assume it was relaxing. We didn't hear a thing about it. And yeah, like he's all like she's all nervous that Joe, like as if she didn't already have enough on her plate, right? She's mm-hmm. now got to worry about Joe going up in a biplane. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, well, a biplane is practically crash proof. Oh, then she's like, practically? It's not crash proof? Also, like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, I mean, statistically, there's more things to hit in a car than there are in a plane. It's just that in a plane, the one thing you can hit is the ground. Right. And yeah. usually if you hit the ground, like you're severely injured, if not dead. I just, like, it also makes me think like Donna goes sailing. Like she goes flying on commercial flights. How are commercial flights that much different than biplanes when you really think about it? Yeah. I mean... I'm the wrong person to have this conversation with because I get really bad flight anxiety because anytime somebody tries to tell me that you're actually safer in a plane than you are a car, and I'm like, okay, what about a plane crash and a car crash? Who's safer there? (laughs) Tell me. Go ahead. One of you. Answer right now. I guess it depends on how high the plane was when it crashed and how fast the car was going. Yeah. Okay. I need more details. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, routinely, out of all the statistics of plane crashes and all the statistics of car crashes, I guarantee you, I don't have this down in front of me, so nobody fact check me, (laughs) but I guarantee you there are more deadly plane crashes than there are deadly car crashes. I refuse to believe that. I don't think that's true because plane crashes happen less frequently than car crashes, and it's because there's more cars on the road, but maybe... I need to see the proportions. Exactly. I'm talking straight percentage. If we're saying, you know, because you're right, there are less plane crashes. Now there are more people to a plane than there are to a car. So also take that into consideration. The number of casualties in a per plane crash compared to the number of casualties per car crash. It just has saying. to be astronomically in in. I don't want to use the word favor, but there has to be way more people that die in plane crashes than there are the people that die in car crashes. Caitlin, you're going to make me Google and do math tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I will not be Googling or doing math, but I will say (laughs) that from personal experience, I have been in more car crashes than I have ever been in plane crashes, which is zero plane crashes and like three car crashes, but only one of them was my fault. So is it safe to say... That you've been in a hundred percent. You've been. Let me think about this. I've been a hundred percent safe on planes, and less than a hundred percent safe in cars. But are you alive? I'm talking well, straight up deaths. I'm not talking about being harmed, because think about it. If you're in a plane crash, you are a, like the chances of you being dead versus just being critically injured are very high. But the chances of you being dead versus critically injured in a car crash. You could get in a fender. People get in fender fender benders all day. Technically, that's a car crash. They don't die from it. 
Yeah, you can I'm just also trying be- to justify my fear here, okay? <laughs> I mean, not to completely derail this morbid conversation and get back to the episode, <laughs> but I also had a moment when you were talking earlier about how, like, they were gone last weekend and we didn't see them at all, about yeah. how much I desperately wish that while they were in Santa Barbara, Dr. Dad was doing, like, covert medical diagnosis on Joe and was like, Joe, go like lift that thing over there. And they're just like looking at him. Oh my God. Like when Joe is sleeping, Dr. Dad just like forces one of those finger things on him. He like sneaks in with a stethoscope. Right. He like breathes on it first so it's not cold. It's like, Donna, next time that you go and hug Joe, just like put your hand on the back of his chest, count to 20. And let me know how his heart sounded. Yeah. Like when you hug him with the arm, put make sure you're wearing a watch. <laughs> like, no, don't let me go. It's not done yet. What's not done yet? My love for you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All I'm trying to say is Donna has a like is valid concern for Joe, who has a heart condition going up mm-hmm. into a biplane that nobody has done research on who the pilots are. And Joe has no valid contributions to this conversation because he's like, do you think Kelly's going to show up today? And Donna says, I don't know. And Joe's (laughs) like, well, I have faith. She's just going to show up and it's going to be like nothing ever happened. Like she hasn't been addicted to Coke for the last month. I know. He's just trying to like literally distract Donna from any everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't think about me and my heart. Think about your friend who's killing yourself. Like, exactly. Wow, what a distraction. God, which good transition to Colin's apartment where Kelly is like reorganizing the shelf immediately adjacent to the bed because she couldn't sleep last night. Who would have guessed why she couldn't sleep? I mean, so many reasons. The fact that she's been hopped up on coke and has all this stress because she's like moving out of her best friend's the apartment that she shares with her best friend. And so the only saving grace of this entire scene is that Colin is wearing the most adorable little sleep pants. <laughs> That's all I have positive to say about Colin. But he tells Kelly that she can stay as long as she wants to and she doesn't even have to ask him for his coke. Oh my okay. god. But I actually wrote that down. I was like, she keeps asking him for the drugs instead of just taking them for herself, which like, yeah. I feel like there's probably something that you could say psychologically about that with like her opinion, like, oh, well, I'm not a drug addict because they're not my drugs. I'm just doing Colin's drugs. I mean, you could also argue like daddy issues. Like there's a lot that you could argue here. And it's like, she keeps asking instead of just doing them. And then Colin literally says like, you know where it is. You can just do the drugs. Mm-hmm. So she does. And, you know, she says, like, oh, I couldn't sleep. I'm so stressed. Like, my friends just keep ganging up on me. And I love that Colin's like, well, what can you do about it? They're straight. Like, bruh. I mean, yeah. Don't make drugs sound cool. But also, that's the point. <laughs> like, yeah, they're the, the person, the people who aren't doing drugs don't want Kelly to do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that they like I get the feeling that Colin and Kelly are having this conversation over and over and over again without really realizing it like they just keep getting high and talking shit about her friends and then they forget about it then they get high and they do it again and then they forget about it exactly 
And so, yeah, I just imagine this conversation has happened five times. Mm-hmm. And while Kelly is over at Collins getting high, the beach blanket bazaar is happening at the beach apartment. So many deals are being made. Donna's between Kelly's the friends. <laughs> I know. I just like Susan's like, how much is the sweater? Oh, it's three dollars. I'll take it. Right. And turns out it was Kelly's sweater, which is hilarious. And I think this is a very interesting scene between the friends because Claire and Donna are like, well, Kelly's only moving out temporarily until she comes to her senses. Like, they're still not even taking this seriously. Right, right. Well, and, and then you see in the background, like, Val is at that clothing rack over, you know, eavesdropping on this conversation and walks right up to them and is like, um, maybe you should keep your voices down and not broadcast this news to everyone. And I kind of had a couple of thoughts here because number one, we know she doesn't give a shit about Kelly. So Mm -hmm. surely it's not for Kelly's well-being. I'm like, what kind of art dealer or (laughs) buyer do you think is at your beach blanket bazaar here? Is that because we know like who you're really concerned with is Colin at this point. Well, and Val of all people doesn't want them broadcasting Kelly's shit. Right. Like she hates Kelly. She would have no problem. Exactly. Like, I could actually almost understand if Susan was the one to say maybe you shouldn't broadcast this because she knows what mm-hmm. it's like to have a personal thing that she's kept to herself, right? Like, we literally just talked about it last episode. So it makes sense for her to be like that instead of Val, who, yeah, hates Kelly. <laughs> and that brings up another point. Because apparently Susan doesn't know about what's going on with Kelly. Like, she comes Mm -hmm. over and it's just like, oh, she's moved out and moved in with Colin. Yep. And then I just had this moment of, like, you know, I think it's a little bit later where Susan asks Val if she should be concerned about Brandon and Kelly. I'm like, well, maybe at this point you should because if Brandon's not telling you what's going on with Kelly, but, like, y'all have no problem talking about Joe's heart problem. Right. Like. Right. That's the red flag that, like, he doesn't feel like he can confide in you about a close friend that he's worried about. That was almost his ex fiance. Yeah, that she's already got jealous feelings about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was for okay. like this three minute apartment sale scene. I feel like we got a lot out of it just knowing, like, what everyone seems to think or not even know about this mm-hmm. situation. No, it's true. And even we get even more because David walks in with a bunch of coffees for everybody and Donna is like genuinely surprised that he didn't he didn't go on the biplane excursion. And David's just like, yeah, it's not really my cup of tea, which surprised me a little bit because I kind of thought David would be a little bit more adrenaline junkie. But perhaps mm-hmm. he's realized that that could be a trigger for him. And I appreciate oh. that growth, if so, because um, he makes the point. At 10,000 feet, anything is dangerous. I like your take on it better than my take on it because him agreeing with Donna saying that it's dangerous and he wouldn't do it feels like them still setting the whole like Donna and David are like the OTP of this whole series. Mm -hmm. And like I just don't care. I just don't. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't care 
So when I see them like agreeing on things that like their significant others disagree with or like, you know, David skips out on New Year's Eve to spend three hours with Donna up in a tree trying to get a bird because they're more (laughs) than friends. I don't care. Although I will say if they're going to go that route, I would rather them have these teeny tiny little moments that lead up to it instead of just a one fell swoop rush into it, you know, kind of situation. I would like Mm -hmm. to see some moments of friendship, you know, before we jump right in. For sure. Like, I think it makes sense. I just personally don't care about Donna and David. No, that's fair. And I also think, too, that perhaps Donna's shock that David is not there is actually more of a, more of a, like, David is kind of a comfort for her. So almost David would be looking out for Joe. Like, if David's going, Mm. she trusts David as opposed to trusting, you know, not that she doesn't trust Brandon or, or Steve or whatever. It's just she's closer with David. So perhaps she was feeling a little bit more secure if he was going with Joe and now she doesn't have that. That's, that's definitely fair. Cause you also made a good point about, I have no idea who the pilots are because this is when we skip over to where everyone's getting to the biplanes. And it turns out that Jonathan is one of the pilots and they're just springing this on the guys and he's going to be flying the planes today. And I mean, they say, like, he's graduated flight school. He's flown all the time with Captain George. Like, it's totally safe. But, yeah, if I knew this guy is a person and I didn't like him and then he was like, oh, by the way, I'm an excellent certified biplane pilot, I'd be like, I don't care. No. I mean, this guy apparently is amazing, except he's, quote, unquote, pro-life. (laughs) like oh god well and like literally he goes up into the air and takes the plane upside down for a while for a while I could I gotta be honest I couldn't even really watch the scene because I got like motion sick just watching it so I was like oh nope all right just look straight up (laughs) I spent so much time trying to figure out like I was like there's no way they actually took them up in the air so did they literally like just film them on the ground in a plane and then flip it or did they have like they flipped the camera over and were like, this is going to look so good. I don't know. They would have had to have green screened because they wouldn't, you couldn't just, you know, turn the camera because then the mountains are, <coughs> you know, you know what I'm trying to say. It looks all topsy Oh, yeah. But, but like, yeah, they I could mean- easily just set up like a prop plane, put them both in it and then green screen it and then flip it and post. I don't even know that they'd have to green screen it if they just put the camera low enough and the horizon was flat enough. That's true. They would have been fine. The whole time I was just like, they didn't let anybody actually go into it. Like, they just sat on a plane in a tarmac and then they got some stock footage, right? I would love to know if they actually did that. I like, I feel like Jason Priestley would love to do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe it was his idea. Maybe he pitched this story. <laughs> I got a million ideas. <laughs> Have you seen Jason Priestley's name pop up as a producer before on this show? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think th- I-, I think it's this season he's new as a mm-hmm. producer. Okay. This is the, like the only episode I noticed and I was just like what if he helped produce this and he paid for the planes? He could have. 
Oh my gosh, I would love if he was just like, we can do better on this. Like, let's go I get him playing. I believe it. I do too. I mean, he really is like an adrenaline person. He likes to race cars, so he got to be in cars on the show. Like, he likes motorcycles, so he got to ride a motorcycle with Luke Perry. Like, yeah, I have no idea if any of this is true. I refuse to Google it. It is my headcanon that Jason Priestley, like, they went to the biplanes and he was like, so we're actually like going, right? I love it. I'm sold. Right? Like, that's a good one. <laughs> so while they're up in the air doing aerobatics, um, David and Don are back at the beach apartment and they're talking about Kelly. And so at this point, this was another one of my why moments where I was like, why haven't they gotten the parents involved? And literally, like, they answer it immediately. And, mm-hmm. you know, David said that, you know, she, like, nobody's told the parents. David actually disagrees with Donna that because Donna thinks they should tell the parents. And David says that it didn't inspire him to quit, which, you know, kind of like we've been talking about parent-child situation like who would like it like Mm -hmm. who would that inspire it wouldn't and so David basically just says like we should do everything we can we should like talk to her do whatever but like nothing we say is going to actually make a difference unless she's the one who wants to get clean which is legitimate like that's fair she has to want it in order for it to actually stick and I think David Mm -hmm. is the right person to be having this conversation I think him saying they'll do what they can, which doesn't include telling her parents, and then none of them are really doing anything except, like, kind of giving her grief about it. Like, we've seen David talk to her once where he was like, yeah, I'd believe that you quit if I thought you did, but I don't. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like, we, you know, there's still 20, 21-year-old kids who don't really know what they're doing, but at least they've had some kind of blueprint because even though – sure maybe getting Mel and Jackie involved with David didn't inspire him to quit but he still did Mm -hmm. so at least it's something you know I know it took him losing Aaron at the park and all that stuff for for him to actually realize it but like I don't know at least it put him in the right direction I feel like this show really believes in scared straight kind of stuff true because like you know, Dylan had that whole intervention and that didn't do anything, but then he got into his car accident. Yep. So, like, it's not good, but I'm kind of thinking maybe they, like, stage something and scare Kelly out of it. I I could see that. Because I would rather them stage it and scare her out of it than something bad actually happening. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Back at the biplanes, Joe gets out of the plane and is pretty much like, this is awesome, arms in the air. And then hits the ground. Immediately. Immediately. And like. Thank God for like Pilot George or whatever his name is. Has smelling salts just on him. I guess because, you know, people do faint because you're up at such high altitudes coming back down pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. Joe's like, I'm good. What? I'm good. Like immediately. Fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Steve doesn't know anything about his medical condition. So Steve is ready. He's like, you're good. I'm getting on that plane. But Brandon says, like, no, no, I think, like, we had kind of a medical emergency here. We should probably take him home. And then as they're, like, walking away, deciding to go home, Joe hangs back and tells Brandon not to tell Donna because, oh, weird, she'll be worried. Like, it breaks my heart that he is just ignoring 
what's going on with him. Like, I think he knows, but he's also just like, please nobody tell her. Yeah. Well, and it's probably twofold, right? Like, she doesn't want her, her to worry because she was already worried. And then he probably doesn't want to believe it, too, because if Don is worried, she's going to have him go back to Dr. Dad and they're going to find the real thing and have to investigate and do, all, you know, like, is his potential mm-hmm. career, all the stuff he's been thinking about this entire time. Yeah. He doesn't want it to be real. So he's trying yeah. to pretend that it doesn't happen. Exactly. And we had this weird cut back after this, like, kind of a little scary scene with Joe. We go back to the beach apartment where someone is trying to buy the sex doll (laughs) that Claire and Kelly and Donna bonded over. And first, gross. Second of all, why would you put that out, especially when Claire's like, this isn't for sale? Did this woman just go into Claire's bedroom and start picking stuff up? Right? And, like, yeah, Claire acted like this is a frequent um this thing is frequently used (laughs) and what capacity i don't know i don't judge it's fine but you know i mean steve can't always be around (laughs) or maybe he's not good at it or maybe steve likes him too I would love it if both Claire and Steve needed that blow-up doll in their bed to fall asleep at night. Oh, my God. (laughs) And they just, like, snuggle. It's a little blow-up doll sandwich. Oh, my gosh. That would be hilarious. And, yeah, weird moment. Little throwback to the blow-up doll, basically for the props department to be like, we still have it. It's still a thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. But then Val and Susan are on the other side of the apartment And Val is asking about Jonathan being around, and Susan is like, well, I told him we could still be friends, and I don't give Brandon a hard time about Kelly, so I can't do anything. Yeah, and, like, she does admit, like, it is a pain that he's been here because it's making Brandon miserable, but then she almost has to, like, defend herself and defend her choice, and really just, it's just all to rationalize her choice, really. By saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, she's not giving Brandon this much grief over Kelly, so whatever. I wish Jonathan would just get over me. I love that when she says she doesn't give Brandon a hard time about Kelly, Val goes, no comment. I know. She can't help herself. Val always has to do something. Exactly. And so much so that, like, when Susan is finally like, I guess I'm just not very good at being the bad guy, which is just code for I don't like making people mad at me I Mm -hmm. want people to like me something I relate to insanely but Val is even like well stick with me I'll teach you how to be heartless hey at least she knows (laughs) I know I actually I could really get on board with Val and Susan like kind of rubbing off on each other I kind of could too and I don't like want to be on board with it because I love Susan for just how she is but I would like see like the um the episode in in Buffy, the doppelgangland one, where it's like dark <laughs> Susan for a minute, you know? <laughs> oh my god, I would love it. Like, just give me one episode to get my fill, and then I'm sure I'm good. But the phone rings and interrupts them, and Ginger is in Val's room and has been calling people looking for her. Like, literally calling everywhere and nobody seems to be home she has let herself into casa walsh with a key that she has from her last visit because apparently val doesn't know how to just not 
leave keys with random people. Right. Or like, I, I don't know. I, how Ginger gets into the house, how she has access to the Walsh house and is just like, you know, perusing all of Val's things. It's, it's so Val that you wonder if Ginger taught Val, you know? I think Ginger did te- like Ginger is Val from last season at the beginning when she called everybody avocado heads and smoked weed twice in her bedroom. Yep, exactly. And yeah, she's very like mustache twirly evil about things. And then we get the nice long flashback to Kelly's 21st birthday to be like, in case you didn't remember who Ginger is, here you go. Which, I, yeah, because it's like we haven't seen Ginger in a long time, but we also need to remember why Val is like not wanting Ginger to be here, right? Mm-hmm. And apparently we're just – this season is all about flashbacks. I said that too. But I think it's interesting because it feels like they've leaned into the flashback, which means that they can drop epi- – like they can drop storylines from episode two and pick them up at episode 20 and be like, <laughs> you never saw her coming. True. That's true. And – you know, Val's got this horrible look on her face. So David's like, what's wrong? You know, just talk to me. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, she's like, Ginger is at my place. And I can't tell you why, but you need to go pick her up and I'm going to put her in a hotel and I'm paying for it. And it's complicated. And this is when David says, everything with you is complicated. Yeah, being with Val is a lot. Like, because if it's not her past which I'm not even talking about like actual family trauma but if it's not Ginger from her past it's Jonesy from her present and it's the stuff with Dylan which we know Dylan's gone but you know it's it's kind of how they were friends with benefits for a while and she was really obsessed with him and if it's not that it's all of the pot stirring that she does with the rest of the gang that she is openly admitted to doing but only to a certain few people because everybody else believes that she's some good person who has won back their affection because of the stuff that happened with ginger so yeah it's all just this like crazy twisted web of stuff yeah and honestly like it's gonna come crashing down right like there's no way she makes it through this ginger visit unscathed especially when david Goes and gets Ginger, takes her to a hotel. I still don't understand why Val didn't go do this. Yeah. But he ends up, like, staying with her while she checks in, gets up to her room. It's a suite. And yeah, she, why like. why she ordered him, or sorry, why she ordered her a suite of all things. Like, just get her the worst room. <laughs> right? Like, I don't think Ginger can just show up and upgrade her room, especially with David there. So, like. Right. You have to assume Val put her up in this really nice room and then didn't say like, but no room service or anything because the first thing she does is call room service to get their champagne list. Mm-hmm. And like wants David to spend time with her and then makes it sound like Val's keeping secrets, which she is, but she's doing all these things, which again makes me think that like she's the one that taught Val everything she knows. Oh, absolutely. And the I think that's especially true because, like, she doesn't have the side of Val that makes things more realistic. Like, I think Val learned that separately, probably from coming to California and hanging out with avocado heads. Mm-hmm. 
So Ginger is still just like mustache twirly evil. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, like Vel stayed at the garage sale this whole time. And she's acting like nothing is wrong. Well, and I think she kind of has to, right? Like in order to keep this charade afloat, she has to still be the kind of Val that Claire and Donna at least think she is. Or maybe at the very least Donna thinks she is. So she's staying committed to the the uh, Beach Blanket Bazaar, which is something Kelly has not done, right? And mm-hmm. sending David, who <clears throat> she trusts, who to some degree he trusts her, they at least have a better connection to where he can go handle her past for the time being because Ginger's not going to say anything yet because Ginger is not dumb. And Val knows that, right? So it's this whole thing, like she's trying to like keep this master plan afloat. So everything she does has meaning, which is so interesting. It's so interesting and she's got to be playing like 4d chess while i'm sitting here like learning how to play checkers because david calls her from his car phone Mm -hmm. and says that he dropped ginger off and she lies to him and she's like i don't know why ginger is there and david's like she said you would say that yeah and then immediately is like you're gonna believe her yeah it's like they're playing a game of telephone on the telephone and then basically at the end of it tells David not to tell anyone that Ginger's in town because again she has to keep up this whole thing yeah (laughs) for some reason he goes with it yep so back at Casa Walsh Steve and Brandon and Jonathan have all gotten back uh for some reason Jonathan is in the house with them like I know (laughs) he's using the bathroom but I still feel like Brandon would have been like yeah there's a sit go down the street yeah, right? Like, remember that gas station that Brenda walked to that one time when she ran out of gas? Go to that one. <laughs> right? And they have a moment to, like, kind of talk about Joe. Like, Steve says, like, oh, how do you think Joe is? Yeah. But that topic changes really quickly because Claire comes in and says that Kelly flaked on them in every sense of the word and looks mm-hmm. at Brandon, like, completely straight-faced and is like, if you have any influence over her, you need to use it right now. Yeah, and to which Brandon, like, realizes the gravity of the situation, understands that, okay, if they're really asking me to talk to her one-on-one, this this probably means something. So much to the point that, like, he then says, okay, well, I guess I got to call Susan. I was supposed to go to dinner with her. So, of course, Jonathan is overhearing the fact that of Brandon's going to have to cancel this date with Susan. So he's sitting over there plotting his next move. And you have to imagine he is in the dark in the front entranceway, literally like twirling a mustache around Mm -hmm. the corner being like, yes, this is my moment. This is how I will entrap Susan. Exactly. And he's already thinking of how he can like say it in a way that she'll believe he didn't know, you know? So he's just like, like, oh, hi, Susan. I didn't realize you'd be free this evening. Yeah, oh, he's you like supposed to be. Oh, <laughs> I sw- he's literally like, I'm going to get to the closest phone that I have access to and I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep her on the phone until he cancels or is so late that she wants to go with me. And then I will already be on the phone with her. Exactly. I also really love that Steve looks at Brandon and is like, should I go too? 
And even the show was like, Steve, no one cares you dated her six years ago. Yeah. And like Brandon's like, no, like he does make a good point. He's like, I don't want her to feel like we're ambushing her. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, Steve, you wouldn't be helpful anyway. So I'll just go. (laughs) But so we have to we go over to Colin's apartment and Kelly is like desperately searching the house for like any scrap of drugs. She is, like, looking at the mirror that they usually do coke off of. She is, like, digging into, like, all their little hidey holes. And did you notice it is dark when she's doing this? And then Brandon brings the doorbell or knocks on the door. She goes to open it, and automatically it's light in the apartment. Yeah. I was like, did you flip on a light as you were going to open the door? I actually rewound the scene and looked, and both of her hands are on the door when she opens it. So, like – there, you know, it could have been a thing where she turned him on so that, like, he would see it, but there's no obvious reason that she turned on the lights. Yeah, so clearly it was, like, a lighting thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she asks him to leave. She's like, I don't want you to see me like this. Colin could be home any minute, and you really need to not be here when he is, which, like, really gives me, like, abuse vibes and not the way to get rid of somebody. Yeah, for sure, because, like, even if it's not – like even if it's not an extreme it's still something negative right it's some Mm -hmm. sort of control or or even if maybe it's not as much Colin doing something as much as Kelly's fears or insecurities coming out like regardless it's a bad situation for her to outwardly say to Brandon that she does not want him there if Colin is there yeah and thankfully you know Brandon doesn't really take that for an answer and it's basically like okay I'll leave but I really want you to come with me will Mm -hmm. you come with me and I love actually how soft Jason Priestley plays this Mm -hmm. um again it's just this beautiful not full Brandon I'm telling you he has grown like it took a minute but he's grown he's not jumping to anger he's not jumping to anything except concern for the other human being and wanting to like hear the facts, hear things from that person directly instead of going off of what somebody else may have told him, you know, and then talking to the person with care in his voice instead of anger, concern in his voice rather than rage, right? And the way it was played was just so beautiful and still reminded me of how much chemistry these two actors have together. Well, and like how much we are supposed to believe the relationship between the two of them mm-hmm. because yeah the way that Brandon talks to her the way he takes care with her like she looks like she's thinking about it and then we cut and the next scene you see she went with him she is in yep. the car with him yep like he got her to take the first step it doesn't mm-hmm. get them very far but she took it exactly and he has the top down kelly's cold you know, obviously because it's probably chilly, but also she is not having cocaine. She probably hasn't eaten a whole lot today. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of factors here. He offers her his jacket. Then Kelly kind of reverts back to some of the language that she has been using a little bit this episode, but especially last episode, when she was saying that everybody's making a big deal of nothing. You know, they just lost a little bit of control. Things just went out of control. You know, this isn't a big deal. And trying to downplay the situation when we all know, and especially Brandon now knows, that no, this situation should not be downplayed whatsoever. It is it is way worse than what it seems. 
I do really appreciate that he has that line. It's like, what's next? The drugs are good for you, rap. Just say yo. Like, we must remember that Brandon Walsh is Jim Walsh's son. (laughs) Right. I was like, what a time for that comment, Brandon. Yep. Yep. But he does say, he's like, I'm not stopping this car. I'll drive you around all night if I have to. Mm -hmm. And like, I think it's also important to note that Kelly's like getting visibly annoyed and is like, Colin's waiting for me. And then he immediately, this is the time to go full Brandon. He doesn't fully, but like, this is his time to get angry because he says, Colin is the reason you're in this mess, Mm -hmm. which nobody has acknowledged. I mean, people have kind of like, associated it with Colin but never blatantly given him responsibility and not to Kelly to make Kelly like really hear it until now Mm -hmm. and it's great that it's Brandon that's saying it like I don't think this would have come off the same way if it had been Claire or Steve or frankly even David or Donna yeah agreed um so there's a brief scene with Ginger and Val but I kind of want to stick with this for a minute because Brandon does end up pulling over because he has to find a payphone to call Susan to cancel their date. And he says, like, oh, you know, I'm just in the middle of something. I'm actually in the middle of a nightmare. But he still won't tell her what's going on. Yeah, that was annoying. It's driving me nuts. And, like, Susan is like, I had to work so hard for this reservation. I had to wait two weeks. I can't believe, you know, I'm so upset. And then Kelly – Steals Brandon's car because he left the keys in the car. Yep. He may as well have left it running because, like, the time it takes from when she starts the engine and leaves to when he hangs up the phone, like, yeah, she's just gone. And I guess it's lucky that Brandon's on a payphone. And I... Really, like, why he wouldn't take the keys. It's not like he had to crack the windows or something. It's a convertible. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, and this is the part where on the other line with Susan is Jonathan, and he's just like, oh, my God, your plans fell through? I had no idea that was going to happen. Yep. By the way, I'm free. By the way, something's going on between Brandon and Kelly. Bye. Like, (laughs) yeah, he's like, oh, he didn't tell you? I knew that. He's been telling everyone. He didn't tell you? Yeah. Like, maniacal. Like, very. That's like a Val manipulation right there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, speaking of Val, while all of this is going down, she is at this hotel that she put Ginger up at. We find out that Ginger has charged a bunch of outfits to this room, too. And that she wants to stay in L.A., She's like, we're California girls, you and me. We'll get an apartment together. But then she says she will leave if Val gives her 50 grand. 50 grand. Val is just like, uh, I'm sorry. What makes you think I could ever do that? To which Ginger pulls out a tape recorder because she recorded their conversation at the airport about how they pulled off the scam. Which, like, of course she did. She talked Val. Like, of course she did. (laughs) I think my favorite part is that Ginger's like, why am I doing this? Well, I want a taste of the good life. You've a good career and friends. Which, yeah, because when I was writing this down, like writing my notes, I was like, she wants 50 Gs? Like, she's blackmailing Valerie? To what end? 
And I still, even after she was like, you have a good career, you have money, you have friends. I was like, but that's, you can't get that on your own. Like, it just felt so odd that like this, your supposed best friend, you're going to extort for 50 grand because you're jealous of what she has. Which, I mean, you know, if it was Ginger's idea to pull off the scam in the first place that got Val in with the gang, like, yeah, you know, she's probably like, let's just do it again and now bring me into it. I mean, that's fair. She can't possibly think this is going to work. She has so little respect for them. And yet she's like, I want to be their friend. Let me in. Yeah, like, so, yeah, just to make it clear, you want my actual friends or you just want friends? Like, (laughs) because you keep calling them avocado heads and shitting on them. The only person you seem to like is David. And speaking of, like, later on, it's nighttime now. Ginger's just in the bath eating fruits. Ginger calls Valerie. Who knows what time it is, but it's at least, like, I would say minimum 9 p.m., but you would have to think it's later than that. Yeah, because they're like full on asleep, lights are off, and Val is like, David's got a migraine. And I feel like if he had a migraine and had to go to bed early, there's no reason that Val would just be like, yeah, I'll go to bed at 9 p.m. I'm not stressed and would stay up all night. Right? And so it's at this point that Ginger's like, just kidding. Like, I won't do all this if you give me David. And I'm like, what? I think I literally paused the episode and had to process this. <laughs> I just kind of love her. And she's still, 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 still gives me those Bridget Regan vibes as Rose and Jane the Virgin. And I just love it. So anyway. it It's what, like, she's literally just like, I want to bang David. Bye-bye. And then eats a it's strawberry. Wild. Yeah, then just gives a key. Like, she's, like, toying with her kiwi. Like, eh, sex with David sounds good. Bye, strawberry. <laughs> she is, like, if we think Val is chaos, Ginger is, like, version one where they were like, we went too far. We have to pull it back. <laughs> yeah, we can only have her for two episodes, maybe three. We can maybe do three, but that's enough. <laughs> What if they were just like three? Okay, four. Fine. She can have four. Yeah. Five. Okay, but five is it. I'm not going past six. <laughs> it's like we keep we keep expecting Jonathan to leave and he's still here. So I like, what if the gang is just like slowly being like encircled by all of these horrible people in their lives? Like Jonathan is over here and Ginger is over here. And then like surprise, Ray is back over there. You know, I wouldn't put it past them at this point. And Colin. Colin's in there. These people should never date. No. Ever needs to stop dating. Well, I remember we kept asking them to go outside the friend group. And now I'm (laughs) like, damn it. Yep, this this is what we get for them going outside the friend group. Just let them all date each other. (laughs) We did what you asked, and now we're addicted to Coke. Thanks. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah. Well, I guess speaking of dating outside the friend group and like the one person who is not the worst in the world yet, reserve that. He could change. Mm-hmm. Joe is finally just like, I couldn't keep this a secret. I passed out on the tarmac. God bless Joe 
Hamilton. There it is. <laughs> is that his name? That's not his name. No. Joe. Bradley. <laughs> Bradley. Yes. Bradley. <laughs> I started going through the alphabet in my head. I was like, Joe. Andrew. God bless old what's his name. <laughs> I just love every time he's like, don't tell Donna. And then 10 minutes later, he's like, I can't keep this from you. I'm so sorry. Like, but we love it because he's like actually admitting things and being vulnerable, right? Like, God bless this poor man who just needs to go to the doctor. And so that's exactly what he agrees to do because Donna like really badly wants him to go get checked out again. And he just is like, yep, okay. I'll do it. Like, no argument whatsoever. Yeah, and they have this moment where they're both talking about how they're scared, but then it has to, like, end completely abruptly because Kelly shows up. Mm -hmm. And she just, like, walks right past Donna and Joe, doesn't say anything, ignores her comments, because Donna's like, uh, Brandon's been looking for you. Yeah. And she goes into her bedroom. She's, like, trying to pack some stuff up, and Donna follows her in there, and she's like, Look, here are Brandon's keys, and you tell him the next time he kidnaps me, I'm calling the police. Wild. <laughs> this is so sad because Donna is like, you, like, please don't move out. Please don't do this. You're my best friend. And then Kelly just looks at her and goes, the truth is I've outgrown this place. And Donna says, what about me? And Kelly says, I'm sorry, and leaves. Yeah, I mean, it was heartbreaking because it was no real emotion in Callie's voice and eyes and behavior. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of, like, anger just because of the whole Brandon situation. But in terms of, like, Donna, like, this had nothing to do with Donna and the Claire and mm -hmm. situation and all of that that happened earlier. This is, she's mad about Brandon at this point, but it's pushed her to, like, isolate herself again from the friend group just like she did when she was a part of the cult right mm -hmm. except this time she's isolating herself as opposed to being isolated by somebody else yeah and this episode ends just like all up in donna's face with like tears rolling down mm -hmm. it's very sad like, it's poor girl because like yeah this is completely just like drug filled like kelly this is not her this is not her. Mm -hmm. This is something else. Yep. And that's how we ended, folks. Yeah. I I really kind of expected uh, more to come out of this. Like, I don't really know what I expected more of, but this felt like a very abrupt ending, like cliffhangery. Yeah. It kind of felt like a two-parter, right? Like how yeah. sometimes we get a season finale that has two parts and we're just waiting for next week to get that second part. Do you know what next week's episode is called? Sure do. And by the way, the next week's episode aired on the 14th of February, 1996. Oh, that's so, going to be weird. Yep. Uh, it's season six, episode 21, Bleeding Hearts. And fun fact, it is one of the higher rated episodes of the season. Ooh, Okay. Not the highest, but higher. I got I got nothing. I mean, I just feel like everyone's going to get hurt. We shall see. 
I hope it's not like physically about Joe's heart. Yeah. I mean, because if you think it aired on February 14th, it's got to have some Valentine's Day things too. But surely it's not just like, oh, here's a Valentine, here's a Valentine. Like it's going to involve some actual hearts and hopefully. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have a quote of the week? I do this time. Um, I'm trying to remember if we actually mentioned it or not. Let me go find it again. Okay, we did talk about it, so that's your only hint. Damn it. My first guess was going to be when, in the very first scene, when Val shows up and Kelly goes past her and is just like, whatever. And Val takes offense for some reason, and then she goes, what's up with her? New Yanni CD delay? Like, Val's just at 11 if Kelly's around or talked about. (laughs) It was a beautiful moment. So I would say either that or... Another one that I don't think we actually truly talked about was when Brandon asked Claire where Kelly is that he could talk to her, and Claire goes, probably at Colin's loft of sin, deviating her septum. That was honestly my um, honorable mention, if I had one, because sometimes I just think about like the way people write, and in TV shows especially, and you just think about, like, normal conversation, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a random really sick burn or something, and you're like, nope, no one would ever think about that. Like, it would have had to have taken time to, like, storyboard that and, like, workshop it (laughs) to get here, but I actually kind of love it. (laughs) Yeah, so those are my guesses. Okay. What you got, Mary? Um, a dumb one that I know isn't it. Um, it's just Brandon in his first scene talking to Susan, and he just goes, okie doke. Or maybe it was <laughs> he was talking to uh, Jonathan, but either way, okie doke. Yep. No, I actually loved it because Jonathan was like, I've got, you should bring your buddies. I've got VIP passes ready. And he just goes, okie doke. <laughs> oh, I love Brandon. Never thought I'd say that. Uh, no, my quote of the week was weirdly Susan and Val talking and when Susan says guess I'm just not very good at being the bad guy and Val says well stick with me and I'll teach you how to be heartless because yeah once it wasn't my quote of the week it was the deviated septum one but then once we talked about doppelgangland and just having dark Susan for a moment that's when I was like yep okay I want that (laughs) I would love it I just yeah I just want like a when she was bad episode for Susan same all right, Mary, what about you? Do you have a moment? Um, I really don't, but I'm just like scrolling through my notes looking and I do have a note of the week. Oh, okay. um, just a thing that I wrote down that I enjoyed. <laughs> so um, it was like during the flight scene, I was just like, they do some ups, some downs, some upside down, some dives and some loopy loos. <laughs> That's awesome. Very technical terms if you ever uh, piloted a biplane. Yeah, I think I started getting sick last night, so that's (laughs) probably where that came from. (laughs) All of your notes are like, was this a fever dream or did I actually watch this episode? You're telling me Jonathan piloted a biplane? (laughs) I mean, seriously, I feel like some of this episode, like sometimes on 90210, if I was sick and then you told me what happened and be like, no, I didn't. Yeah. 
Stephen Claire did not go drag racing in the middle of the day and then have to go to Last Laugh Comedy Traffic School and then end up on TV. I mean, also, like, the egg for Euphoria. That could easily be a fever dream. <laughs> the episode where they're all in the mouth playing Bad Breath. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, 100%. Here's the gingivitis. <laughs> oh, man. This show is wild. This show. And who knows what we'll get next week. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to Podcast. You can also send us an email with your thoughts, questions, your comments, or your concerns, or all of the above at back to Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate and review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen, which means that we build a better community and give you a better product. And if you leave us a five-star rating, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go up and down and upside down. I'm going to stick around for as long as I have ideas and I have a lot of them. I'm going to keep looking forward to Jonathan's last episode. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See ya. <laughs>